0: and welcome to Retro Perspective, the nerd party show in which we take a look at all of the movies released 25 years ago this week. I'm Mike. I'm John. And today we're taking a look at the movies released during the week of March 25th, 1994. Yes. We actually have a movie which came out on March 23rd, 1994, the Wednesday it, opening.
1: Yeah, Wednesday opening is always a good way to get a jump on the box office, get the buzz going early, and uh, catch the kids who maybe skip school.
0: Yeah, and also, like a, a, from what I understand, another reason why it's done is if there's like a smaller movie that a studio may want to ensure gets played... They'll be like, "Oh, let's release this on Wednesday," and then theaters will book it the week before. And that way, if there's another big blockbuster coming in, they won't say, "Ah, uh, you know what? We're just going to play Avengers on ten screens." Sorry, we <laughs> don't have room right. for, you know, whatever. So, you know,
1: apparently. I just as I, I just as a quick question about that, right? does anybody do Wednesday releases anymore? Because Friday releases are, I I make the joke that, um, that, that they define Friday now as, uh, you know, as the, as the way that the Jews or devout Catholics define the Sabbath sundown to sundown. Right. Because it's like, as soon as the sun goes down on Thursday, you got all your preview showings going. Mm -hmm. And so given that climate today, Even setting aside all of the streaming stuff, does anybody still do Wednesday releases? I can't recall the last
0: time I saw an ad for a Wednesday release. There are still Wednesday releases. The last one that I can think of off the top of my head, which is, I mean, an unusual circumstance, but it was Isn't It Romantic and Happy Death Day to You both opened up on Wednesday, February 13th. Ah. Obviously, the reason there is because they wanted to get a jump on Valentine's Day, which was on Thursday.
1: Makes sense. And
0: then that same week, Alita Battle Angel opened up on Thursday, the 14th. Um, One of the interesting things there is that both Isn't It Romantic and Happy Death Day did not do night before shows. So essentially they opened up in the morning and then Alita opened up at night, but they all opened up on the 13th. Man,
1: it's just weird. It's just so weird that just the way that the movie releases are defined. Because like with the night before stuff and everything, like it, it's just, I still have my, I still have problems
0: getting my head around that. It's super you know? weird. I mean, the the reason why there were night before releases before, the reason why there were midnight shows is because it's like 1201 AM is the first minute that you can see this thing, you know? Yeah. And then whenever they did something which was earlier, I remember going to the, as they called them, special sneak previews of like yep. Star Trek Generations and Star Trek First Contact. They did Mission Impossible like that, but that was the thing. If it was a Thursday night opening, like at 7 o'clock, it's like special sneak preview. Now right. it's the, the rule instead of the exception because, you know, they, of course, have realized like, oh, well, people would much rather go to a 7 o'clock than a midnight show on a Thursday night, you know, naturally work the next day and all that stuff, yeah. and then it gets really confusing because some movies are be like, oh, we're going to do a four o'clock opening, like Shazam, Shazam first shows are going to be at four o'clock, and then you know kids movies are usually at like six o'clock, and so, it gets super confusing.
1: So who? Get, so it's just. Each studio gets to define what a night before show is. So, is it, would it technically be feasible that somebody could say, oh, well, Shazam opened at four? We're opening at three the previous day, but it's still not technically a Wednesday opening. They get to roll their box office receipts into Thursday.
0: Yeah. And that's literally what they do. I mean, that's, that's literally like something that, you know, we have to do is say, like, these are Thursday night grosses which get rolled into the Friday. Grosses. I mean, but yeah, they can choose on like an, an individual movie basis and they do. You know, it, it all just depends on whatever they want to do. Some say one a.m., some <laughs> say night. I mean, the weirdest one that I ever saw just because they wanted to, this was back when everyone was doing midnight releases and they wanted to make sure that there were no midnight releases. The strangest one I ever saw was the Da Vinci Code where they said, first show can be at sunup. So if you, I mean, like, if they were doing that with, like, Star Wars or something, then we'd have to go look and say, like, okay, sunrise is at 6.31 a.m. today. That's when the first show is going to be. Obviously, yeah. what we did was just say, okay, well, noon. <laughs> you know, yeah, just because. Right. And and another weird one that they did um, for Matrix Revolutions, and I think they did this for a couple Harry Potter movies, too. They did a simultaneous worldwide release. So like in the central time zone, revolutions came out at 8 a.m. In the eastern time zone, it came out at 9 a.m., etc. So that everyone would get it at exactly the same time. Well, okay. That's still... They do all sorts of weird things, you know? Sometimes it's cool. And now, now the new thing, the new new thing is... Special shows the Saturday before something like that oh like yes 7 o'clock. right, which used to be considered a sneak preview, right? Yeah. they used to call it a sneak pre-
1: why don't they call it a sneak preview? Still? Well
0: they kind of do now, but it, it's usually called now I think they they more commonly refer to it as like a fan screening, and there's usually it's usually tied into some sort of promotional thing, like Shazam is like fandango fan screenings where like the only place where you can buy tickets for the for the Shazam shows on this Saturday that just passed is on Fandango that's it you can't buy them at the box office you can't buy them and through Adam tickets or anything but they did other things like with with Aquaman the hook was uh it was only open to Amazon Prime members
1: right I remember that yeah. Yes, you had to be a Prime member and buy the ticket. Right. And it's just also complicated. It's very complicated. It's not like an online treasure hunt where it's like, put together the clues and you can find your Aquaman ticket. It's like, you it have to But it, it kind of is. It kind of is like that. Mm, is it?
0: <laughs> it is. I, I mean, like, like with Spider-Man, for example, there was one time where like, well, right, right before it came out, like the week before it came out, I, it was like a Friday night, and for some reason, I was looking on Fandango, and I see Spider-Man listed at a movie theater. And I'm like, what? And they're like, Yes, yeah, Spider-Man, 1 o'clock on Saturday. And I looked, and everywhere was playing it at like 1 o'clock on Saturday. And I'm like, I guess I'm going to see Spider-Man tomorrow. All right. So, above the rim. Now, this is an interesting thing, though, with these Wednesday shows. And this is something which I was seeing as I was putting together the schedule for the year. I was not, I have a vague recollection of this. And it's not the case anymore, really. But for some reason, whatever it is, movies which appeal to an African-American audience back in 1994 tended Mm -hmm. to open on Wednesdays. Really? We're going to so, see this. We've seen it already once or twice. We're going to see it again throughout the year. Anytime there is a movie which is, by and large, geared towards an African-American audience, it comes out on Wednesday. I have no idea why that would be. It doesn't make any sense to me. No, it doesn't make any sense. But makes, it's it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely a pattern. Like, I'm not making this up. It's for real.
1: But like... I mean, usually when they make decisions like that, there's some sort of data to back it up. Like, there's a reason for it, right?
0: Yeah, there or, has to be. I, I have no idea what it would be. And I don't think no. it's the case anymore because you really don't see it happening anymore.
1: But I want to I sleuth that out. Yeah. There's got to be some sort of reason.
0: Uh, yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's weird. Oh. Anyway. Yeah. So that movie that was released on Wednesday, March 23rd was Above the Rim. Yes. Uh this movie had a 53% on Rotten Tomatoes and came in at number 5 at the box office uh with 3.7 million dollars that week. Yes. Uh yeah, so I this is the movie that I watched. I'm guessing this Same is the here. movie that you watched too, right? It it is. It is. I I
1: could not resist. It was uh it was calling to me immediately because yeah. uh, because two two things one I remembered the ads. Mm-hmm. Two, I really like one of the actors in it, uh Leon. I I I really like him. And uh Tupac Shakur. I've never seen a movie where where Tupac was acting. So I was like, "Oh, oh wow, I can complete like a whole bucket list, a bucket of bucket list items right here." Yeah. To uh to take care of. And um do you do you want to
0: give the synopsis of the movie? Sure. Uh, the movie primarily follows a kid in high school who's the star of his basketball team and has dreams of going to college to play basketball at you know, let's say Georgetown and he's got a bit of a got a bit of an attitude and he gets caught up in sort of the wrong crowd. There's a, a group of people led by Tupac who are definitely into some shady stuff and they offer him the opportunity to succeed and, and get noticed and and everything if he plays by their rules. Mm-hmm. And he gets in over his head and that's basically it. I mean, there's lots of weird subplots and everything like that with people who sort of, you know, come in and out of this story, but that's basically the, the premise.
1: Yes. That is, that is the basic premise. That's a very coherent way to put what I think is a somewhat scattershot movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I made the joke to a friend of mine that uh, the entire thing with it was it felt almost like, it wasn't at this level, but it was like, uh, did you ever see uh, Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood?
0: I haven't seen it. I remember the trailers and everything. Yeah. yeah,
1: well, you know, it's the Wayans brothers and everything. And every so often, Keenan Ivory Wayans playing the mailman. Somebody will say something, and he'll just suddenly duck in from off camera and go message. <laughs> and I thought that this movie was replete with those things. And i I thought that what it started with, with the whole. You know nightmare of what happened when he was a kid and he wakes up in bed and he's all out of sorts and you see that he's a broken person he's never been able to move past that and there are all of these things I that was the really interesting thread in the film for me and then meeting the kid was also interesting but it just never I don't think this meshed the way that they envisioned
0: it meshing. Yeah. And there were some things about that like even though like that is sort of interesting on I don't know, I guess an emotional level like the tragedy that is kind of weird. I mean, it's the first scene. Should we say what happened? Yeah, no, this isn't a spoiler. It's literally the first scene. It's like, just yeah. The 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 one guy who becomes sort of like the mentor for the kid he is playing basketball with his friend and he's you know basically betting his friend and who can you know jump higher and hit the, the backboard. And he does it. and then his friend tries to do it too. but this basketball court is apparently like on a rooftop and the backboard, mm-hmm. I guess, isn't as sturdy as it should be. and he ends up breaking the backboard and as he's jumping instead of the backboard, I guess stopping his momentum, he ends up accidentally jumping off the roof. Yes, the backboard breaks where he hits it and That's, he falls to his death. I mean, like I understand that they're going for this big tragedy and stuff, but like that is kind of an unrealistic and absurd and yes. unintentionally comical death and motivation All, for this character's entire story.
1: That in that description you gave is spot on. I wouldn't change a single word of it. And it's the first thing you see in the movie. Yes. With this really discordant
0: music that, that just throws you off. Which, by time. the way, I this is the thing which I've been meaning to ask you about ever since I watched this. Did you catch... The sample in that song? No. Do you still have, like, the rental or whatever? Yeah. Okay. You have to listen to it again. Uh, Because it's something where, I like, I heard it, and I'm like, that sounds familiar. And then I played it back, and I'm like, oh, they have a sample of Cybox saying... I sense you have pain, and he's like, "Oh, what?
1: yes, <laughs> yes. No, I'm playing it back in my head. Yeah, yeah share your pain with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Oh my gosh, that you're was right. Cybok talking to God. I think.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Cybok's whole thing was like, you know, your pain runs deep. Share your pain. Yeah, your pain runs uh, you, deep. No, share it with me. He's like, my, y- yeah. No, you're right. Now that I'm playing it back in my head, I know exactly what you're talking about.
0: You're right. I couldn't believe that. I could not <laughs> believe that when I heard it. I'm like, "Really?" Like I was hoping that that would like occur again and again and again, but it doesn't. There's just a random line from Star Trek 5, The Final Frontier, in a song in this movie.
1: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. The thing is, like I didn't even it didn't even occur to me at the time because I'm sitting there just listening to it, just listening to it. And then you start talking about it. I start playing it in my head. Yes, I remember hearing the line and just sort of like, I guess not even thinking about it. Just, like, just thinking, oh, just sample. But now that now that I'm hearing it in my head again.
0: Yeah. yeah, Wow. You, you, you got to go back and listen to it again. I'm I mean, going to. <laughs> I, I think it's part of a song. I, I need to yeah. track down the song. And uh, but Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah so on the whole i would say that this movie is not good i mean i like the basketball stuff in it but it is really kind of like paint by numbers as far as like the the general story is concerned
1: yeah i think there are the beginnings of three separate interesting scripts in here but they're all in one script and i don't think they should be yeah i think they should all be teased out And I even, you know, and I said this jokingly, but uh, you know, when I was talking with uh, uh, my friend Joey, who I keep mentioning, I was like, "Did you ever see that one?" He goes, "No, I remember ads for it, but I never saw it." I referred to it as uh, the poor man's He Got Game, yeah, which is, I think, a eh, that's a an okay way to to describe it. But I got to ask you, what did you think of Tupac's acting ability? Because we all know that he he grew up, he studied ballet, he was an arts student, and the whole. Rap persona was just a put on. It's it's a character that he created, basically. What did you think of his acting here?
0: Um, I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was noteworthy, but I didn't think it was epically bad either. I just thought it was. I thought it was decent. Yeah,
1: it was okay. Yeah. And as for the the guy from The Wire, that uh, Wood Harris, he also went by uh, Sherwin. David Harris, he's from Chicago, hmm. but yeah. Anytime I see him on screen, anytime I mean, honestly, anytime I see anybody from The Wire on screen, I'm like, ooh, he's yeah. from The Wire. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, he and he's good. Yeah. It's like that tired uh, Gene Hackman compliment. He's good in anything, <laughs> but like I see him in something, I'm like, oh, you know, I like him. Yeah. So yeah, I do yeah. too.
0: Yeah, that was kind of cool to see. Uh, but on the whole, I, I I would not recommend this movie. Nor would I. All right, so let's move on to the movies that came out on Friday, March 25th. Uh, The first one, which was unranked, uh, was The Blue Kite, which was a... I can't even remember now. I think it was a French movie. Apparently it's very good. It's got 100% Mm -hmm. on Rotten Tomatoes. I didn't watch it. Yeah, but so did Where the Rivers Flow North, so... Yeah. And number two... At the box office, which was the the biggest movie of of the week, was D2, The Mighty Ducks. Mm -hmm. This movie made $10.4 million and has a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: That's a pretty low aggregate.
0: Yeah. That's lower than Star
1: Trek V. Yep, 22%. So it actually is uh, 2% lower than... Star Trek
0: five. There you go. Uh I you know, I know these movies were, were huge. I, I saw the first one when I was out on video well after the fact, but I never saw this one. Did you see this one? No. No. Yeah.
1: I never saw the first one. I was afraid I would be lost in the uh Mighty Ducks Connected Universe. Like is Angels in the Outfield part of the Mighty Ducks Connected Universe? Or no. are they
0: just separate storylines? They're separate. They're separate. Mm. It is kind of interesting because, you know, Emilio Estevez of course, the star of Mighty Ducks a sports movie, we're going to have another sports movie just 5 days later starring Charlie Sheen. So, you know, be interesting to see who wins that battle. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, speaking of of next week, uh there's a lot. Only 3 movies this week, but next week 7 movies. 7 And here, I don't know what what happened. I I, I mean, we could look at the calendar and see, like, maybe there was, like, Black Friday or something like that. But four of those movies came out on Wednesday of next week. Really? Yeah, and then three of them came out on Friday. Uh, But the movies that we have are Zero Patience, Jimmy Hollywood, Thumbelina, Mm -hmm. Major League Two. Yes. A Tale of Winter. The House of Spirits and Clifford. The Big Red Dog starring John Ritter. No. 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 No.
1: Swing and a miss. Yeah. Martin Shorts in it. So, you know, whatever. Wait. Mar- Wait. So it's not about the Big Red Dog? No. Okay. Oh, no. I remember the. <laughs> oh, no. I feel obligated to watch it because I remember the ads for it now. All right. Well,
0: good for you. Oh, no. Um, no, no. Yeah, yeah. If if you take a look up on uh, online on YouTube, you can find <laughs> our, our trailers, uh, a whole playlist of, of the trailers for next week. Just type Retro Perspective into YouTube and it should probably come up each week. You know, it will yes. we'll come up so you can watch all the trailers for next week and this week. Uh, And then, yeah, next week we'll be talking about some of these movies. But until then, John, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, You know, go to
1: KesselJunkie.com. It's active right now. Uh, You can also look for Kessel Junkie over on Letterboxd and Goodreads. And I'm here on the network co-hosting a Star Wars show with the infamous Matthew Rushing called Aggressive Negotiations, and if you're going to Star Wars celebration, he's going to have pins. and You ask him for a pin, he'll give you one. and It'll have our logo on it. So, oh really? Yeah, I want a pin. I know because um, all right, I'll make sure you get a pin. It's cool. All right, cool. I'll make sure. I'll say, I'll say set that one aside for Mike. But uh, if
0: people want to pin things on you online, where can they find you? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mumbles3K, and you can also find me. On Trek.fm doing a show called Tracks from the Edge where we provide audio commentary for all the new Star Trek Discovery episodes. And you can also find me on filmdamagepod.com doing a show called Film Damage where we talk all about film projection and other things. It's a fun show. All right. So until next week, be kind, rewind. Rewind.